You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. You guys spent most of the break working on some songs for the album. It was still rough. I wanted to get you guys input before I went further. I'm glad you've been having some fun writing your songs. Well, actually, I busted my ass working on the songs. Yeah, but the tunes for the new album, they've already been written. What do you mean? AC and I wrote them during the break. Well, look, I know you and AC do most of the writing. Not most of the writing, all of the writing. Yeah, but shouldn't I have some input? I'm the one that has to sing the tune, so you'd think you'd at least want me to put my stamp on them. Look, let me explain. Our fans, right, our loyal, die-hard fans, our very lifeblood, if you will, expect to see certain things, all right? And we like to give them what they want. And we don't deviate from that because one disappointed fan can quickly turn to two, two to four, four to eight, and on and on like that until the next thing you know, we're playing to a half-empty hall. So while I understand your impulse to do your own thing, and I admire it in some small way, if you want to stay with Steel Dragon, then you're going to have to reconcile yourself for the time being to doing the Steel Dragon thing. All right? And the Steel Dragon thing is that AC and I write the songs. And you... Sing the songs that we write. Am I clear? This one way love affair ain't fair, it ain't no affair to me. It's all give and take, and you just take it. I can't take it, you see. When I'm giving up on love this time. So I know that we talk a lot about cover songs from other bands, but Sonny, this episode really isn't centered around a cover song so much in the sense that we're used to talking about cover songs. This is more about songs by bands that we think the song sort of belongs to the band, but technically it doesn't really belong to the band because it's written by somebody else. Is that kind of the general idea behind this episode? Well, I'm not sure. Because you came up with the idea, then you tried to do the work, then it was too hard of work, then you changed the idea, and then we go to record, and you're still finishing our homework two minutes before we start recording. Yeah, so let me explain this to the listeners. Every once in a while, I have these bright ideas, and by bright ideas, I mean really dimly lit ideas, probably held up by a birthday candle. (laughs) And so... These ideas, they sound really good at the time of conception, but then when I start doing the work to prepare for the episode, I'm like, yeah, this this is a lot harder than I thought, or this isn't as good of an idea as I thought, or this is going to be a lot more work than I thought. And so generally, I usually end up changing the rules on Sunny midway through, or I'll text Sunny and say, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so this episode is an example of that, so to speak. So I had this bright idea, which was instigated by another episode we had done, the heart episode. We started talking about some of the heart songs and songs that you generally think, uh, well, you think of heart when you think of the song, but heart didn't write the song. And I said, wouldn't it be great to do an episode where we find 
hard rock bands that we're into that had songs that we thought, hey, this song belongs to this band, but it's written by somebody else. A perfect example of that is Little Susie by Tesla. Everybody thinks Little Susie is a Tesla song, but it's not. It's written by somebody else. Somebody else did that song long ago, and the Tesla version is much better than the original version. But when you think of Little Susie, you think of Tesla. That's a Tesla song. And so that's kind of the idea behind this episode. So, yeah, Sonny's giving me a bunch of shit because I was still working on this episode up until maybe a couple of hours ago. <laughs> yeah, a couple of hours ago. And then it's like, um, so what are we doing with a crank it up spotlight? Oh, well, hold on. And I'm like, man, did you not do any of your homework? In my defense, we're actually recording two episodes tonight, back to back. And it's past my bedtime already. And we haven't even started this episode. Well, I guess technically we're started because we're talking to you. But it's going to be a long night. I got a cup of coffee. I've screwed up a couple of things. Bear with me. Hopefully you'll be mildly entertained. And if you're not entertained, it's absolutely Sonny's fault. I'll do the best I can to get through this episode. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight is by the Dead Daisies. Dead Daisies got a new record out called Holy Ground, and the Daisies have gone through a whole bunch of changes. And I know that a lot of people made a whole bunch about Karabi leaving the band and Tishy leaving the band and Mendoza leaving the band and all these changes that the Dead Daisies had. But honestly, if you know the history of the Dead Daisies, this was a band that musicians were coming in and out of from the very beginning. This was a band I think originally started by Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses, right? As sort of just a side band that played in Hollywood on Saturday nights or something. I think they were a cover band at one point in time. Anyway, they evolved into this thing. And, you know, they've had a pretty steady lineup for the past two, three albums with John Karabi and Marco Mendoza, Doug Aldridge. And I always forget the guy who's funding it all, what his name is. Do you know what his name is off the top of your head? David Lowry. Yeah. So David Lowry is the one that's flipping the bill for all this because he's big money. So last year or the year before last, uh, after that last album, Mendoza left, Karabi left. They replaced both of those guys with Glenn Hughes. And I think, honestly, this is just kind of a bucket list thing for David Lowry to be able to play with Glenn Hughes in a band. So Glenn Hughes now on vocals and playing bass. You got Doug Aldridge and then Dean Castronova left the band and replaced by the guy from Black Sabbath. Uh, what's that guy's name? Computer. Let's forget about that. Steven didn't prepare for the episode, but now he is even afraid to pronounce names. WTF. The new drummer for the Dead Daisies is Tommy Clufidos. Repeat after me. Clue. Fee. Toes. Thank you. I couldn't pronounce that. So, uh, we were just going to let that one go, but check out this song off the new record. It's called Like No Other. Baseline in parentheses. Check it out. Cause I dig it. Your hair, my little dog living on the inside, my 
I miss John Karabi. <laughs> so, listen, I'm a huge Karabi fan, and I really, really liked the Dead Daisies as they were. I liked that lineup. That was a great lineup. And then when they got, uh, when Tishy left and they got uh, Castanova in, that was fine as well uh, because he's very talented. He can sing awesome. And so I think that just raised their game a little bit. But now that lineup's gone and uh, we got Glenn Hughes and I'm a huge Glenn Hughes fan. I like Glenn Hughes a lot. And I have to say, I like this Dead Daisies record with Glenn Hughes better than I like Black Country Communion and California Breed and some of those other things that he was doing. That's just me personally. But it is a different record. The response on this record has been pretty good thus far. All the stuff that I've read from the people we know. But you're not a Hughes fan. There's something about his voice that bugs you. You would think that with the music that I like and the singers that I like, that I would be a big Glenn Hughes fan. But there is something, I don't know if it's the vocal phrasing, I don't know if it's the tone, I really can't get into very much music that is sang by Glenn Hughes. I don't know why. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Okay, so we were talking about songwriters, and, you know, there's some that make a living making other people famous. Desmond Child comes to mind, Holly Knight, Diane Warren, Richard Marks has made himself famous and other people famous. Prince made himself famous and other people famous. Uh, Jim Valance, Brian Adams, right? These guys, song for song, were some of the best songwriters out there that made other people a lot of money. Hell, Vinnie Vincent has made Kiss more money than he made himself, right, with some of the songs that he wrote. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, when you talk about songwriters, as we dig into this episode, one songwriter that has made a lot of money by writing jingles for other people and songs for other people out of the hard rock side of things, Barry Manilow was a huge songwriter before he was Barry Manilow, basically. I think he wrote the Coke jingle. He wrote the American Bandstand theme, I think. He wrote a lot of different things. So songwriters have made other people famous and made a lot of money in the process of doing that. Well, hell, Smokey Robinson pretty much wrote every Motown song you know. This is an interesting episode because we dug a little bit deeper. We didn't just come up with Desmond Child because we could have hit Desmond Child and it would have been like, you know, throwing a dart at a board. It would have been easy. There are a million tunes that Desmond Child wrote for a lot of the hard rock and 80s bands that we love. I'll make you famous. So I'm going to start with this song by the band Revolution Saints. Revolution Saints has got some great songwriters in that band alone. Doug Aldridge, Jack Blades, and Dean Castronova, who we just talked about a little bit earlier with the Dead Daisies. So check out this song, Strangers to This Life. Oh, 
This next song is off the Loverboy album Wild Side. This is a song called Notorious.
so that Revolution Saints song, that first album is solid. There is absolutely no doubt. And Dean, my God, he is a great singer. He does not get enough credit. If there wasn't so much stuff that he's been dealing with in his personal life, his voice would really be one of the voices in rock right now that you would hear a lot. That Loverboy song, I know John Bon Jovi and Richie had a hand in writing part of that song. It sounds like a Bon Jovi song. Mike Reno even sounds like John singing it. Absolutely, 100%. And it's a song that I haven't heard in a while. So let's talk about that Revolution Saints record a little bit more, especially that song, Strangers to This Life. The Revolution Saints are a project on Frontiers Records. And based on the three albums that they put out, Strangers to This Life is off the first record. Jack Blades and Doug Aldridge and Dean Castanova, they've let a lot of other people write the material on all three of these records. They've had a hand in some of it, but not all of it, and especially with that first record. That song that you heard by them is written by somebody named Christian Wolf, who I don't know, Frederick Berg, who I don't know, Eric Martinson, who I absolutely know from Eclipse, and Alessandro Del Vecchio, who produces all the Revolution Saints records, but he's also a staff writer for Frontiers Records because he writes a ton of music for the Frontiers acts. Jeff Scott Soto comes to mind. Uh, it's just a great song. I mean, there's some really good material on all three of those Revolution Saints records. But like Sonny said, that first one's solid. Notorious by Loverboy, written by John Bon Jovi, Todd Cerny, and then Paul Dean and Mike Reno had a hand, and then Richie Sambora had a hand. But that song, Notorious, straight up Bon Jovi tune. Kind of enjoy it. Do you like that song? Yeah, it's a good song. It just, uh, you know, it came later in Loverboy life and it looked like, you know, they were scraping a little bit and they needed some help probably. Yeah, I agree 100%. Okay, so my first song, we're going to go with a guy named Mick Smiley. And you might be wondering who, and I would tell you exactly, because there's not a lot out there about this dude. He played bass on Billy Idol's first EP, but wasn't credited. He wrote a song called Magic for the original Ghostbusters movie, but of course the only song anybody knows is the Ray Parker Jr. song, because this Magic song wasn't released as a single. And then after writing the song, he disappears because he had some family health issues, and he's out of music and starts some DJ company. Before he disappears, though, he writes a top 20 hit for our sexy friend, Lita Ford. So here is, from 1988's album Lita, it's one of Lita's signature songs. It's her second highest charting single from her solo career, period. And it got to number 12 on the Billboard 100. Written by Mick Smiley, here is Kiss Me Deadly. I went to a party last Saturday night. I did a good leg. I got in a fight. Uh-huh. It ain't no big thing. Late for my job and the traffic was bad. Had to borrow 10 bucks from my old man. Uh-huh. No big thing I went through a party last Saturday night I told you that story would be alright uh-huh. It ain't no big thing But I know what I like I know I'm not dancing with you And I know what you like 
The next song I want to talk to you about is written by a guy named Bob Halligan Jr. Currently, he's a lead vocalist and guitarist for a band called Sealy Rain. It's a band that's like part Celtic, part rock, part contemporary Christian. Not exactly my bag, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Bob has written songs for Judas Priest, Halford, Kicks, Kiss, Cher, and a bunch of other people. Some of the most recognizable ones, Some Heads Are Gonna Roll, Rise To It, Read My Body, Don't Close Your Eyes. But we're going to go with something that's a little bit off the beaten path. It's the opening track from a 1984 album called Walking the Razor's Edge by Helix. Yes, Helix. Yes, from Canada. The song got to number 27 on the pop chart in Canada. No, it didn't hit the U.S. charts. Why? Let's not forget we're talking about Helix. Okay, so here's your spelling lesson for the day. Rock you. So let's talk about Kiss Me Deadly first. I've never liked this tune. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It certainly isn't Lita. I love Lita. She looks great in the video, but I've never liked this tune. I think it's the cheese 
of the opening lines. I've never heard of Mick Smiley in my life. And you said there's nothing else listed as to what he's written, right? Except for that Ghostbuster song? Not really. Moving on to Helix. I love Helix. I've been a big fan of Helix since the first album. Walking the Razor's Edge is an awesome record. Rock You is an awesome tune. And it'll surprise listeners to know that I actually did Rock You in this lip sync contest when I was a kid at a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and I absolutely hope there's no video on that. But, but yeah, I love Helix. And Bob Halligan Jr., to your point, has done a ton of shit. And in fact, that's going to lead us into the next tune. Bob Halligan Jr., as Sonny said, wrote a lot of stuff for Kix and Helix and Halford and Judas Priest. And I'm not a big fan of the slower Priest tunes, but this song off of Screaming for Vengeance is awesome. And he co-wrote Take These Chains Off by Judas Priest. Yeah. 
This next song was released on the Contagious record by Y&T, and the song is called Bodily Harm. It was written by Robert White Johnson and Taylor Rhodes. And Dave Manichetti doesn't take a back seat in writing a lot of Y&T stuff. So this is kind of a rare tune where it's only written by these two guys, and there's no credit to Phil Kenamore or Dave Manichetti. But check out Bodily Harm from the Contagious record, Y&T. So let's talk bodily harm first. Love it. Love the contagious record. It's Y&T. Godly to me. Done. 
priest I am finding out is very hit and miss for me. I'll listen to a bunch of priests and I'm like, man, that song's great. And that song really sucks. And this one ended up in the sucks bucket for me. Oh my God. Screaming for vengeance, about half of it. I cannot listen to. Holy shit. You're fucking retarded. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. That record is a damn dare. It's a desert island record for me to begin with. And take these chains off is awesome, man. How do you not like that tune? What is it about that tune that bugs you? Uh, it's not good. Jesus Christ. Like, the chorus is horrible. I can't figure you out sometimes. I really can't figure out what you like and don't like and why you do or don't like some things. But that song's awesome. That record is a perfect record. Love it. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So let's take a little time out from this episode to tell the listeners how they can help out the podcast. It's really easy. It's really simple. And by God, it's really cheap. If you want to give us money, then it's not so cheap. And by all means, we'll take any contributions that you want to give us money for so that we can always buy a beer for our guest or do whatever. Hey, I meant to tell you, you got a donation from our good friend, Curtis Lankos. He wanted you to be able to buy Ryan Cook a beer. And so he gave us a contribution. And thank you, Curtis. We'll make sure that Ryan gets that in some way, shape, or form, because I'm sure Ryan will be back on the show at some point. So there you go. Thanks for that. But other ways that you guys can help us out. If you go leave us a five-star review, wherever you listen to podcasts, we always say go to Podchaser or go to Apple Music and leave us a five-star review. I always have the link in the show notes, so all you have to do is scroll down on your phone and hit that link and leave us a five-star review if you enjoy what we do. If you don't enjoy it, then move along. Thanks for your time. If you're a Facebook user, go to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and join the group free to join. And we just have conversations about episodes, about upcoming episodes, about past episodes. And then we just talk about music in general, share different bands and videos that we're getting uh, advanced copies on things like that to see whether people are digging it. And it's just generally a good group of people. It's all positive conversation. We stay away from the politics and the negativity and the hate for Cheater Chris and uh, Fake Freely and all that stuff. So we just have good conversation there. It's pretty fun. So go over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and join up. So getting back to our episode here, let's talk about a guy named Jeff Paris. So if you're a nerd super rock fan like us, most likely you heard this name. Jeff started his rock career by helping Lita out, helping Y&T out. He co-wrote Gotta Let Go by Lita Ford. He co-wrote Lipstick and Leather, which is a great song. Then he goes on to kind of be a session musician and ends up playing on Night Songs, Cinderella's first album, playing keyboards. Then around the same time, he signs on with Polygram to get his recording career started, he ended up releasing six solo albums. Jeff has written songs for Vixen, Mr. Big, Michael Cimbello, XYZ, 
bunch of other people. But I'm going to go with something that is actually by Mr. Big. Now, the song's kind of weird because it starts with a prefix in the title called CDFF. And I guess the prefix exists because the music is very similar to Addicted to That Rush. I guess it has the same chord structure, but it's sped up. So CDFF stands for Compact Disc Fast Forward. I don't know why, who knows, but for your listening pleasure, written by Jeff Paris, off of the album Lean Into It, here is CDFF Lucky This Time.
Now let's talk about a songwriting duo that doesn't happen too often, Richard Marks and Fee Waybill. I won't bore you with all the stuff with Richard Marks. He's got a ton of accomplishments. Maybe we do an episode on him someday, maybe like the harder side of Richard Marks. But the guy is one of the best songwriters of our generation, period, and I love his music. Fee Waybill, probably not as popular as Richard Marks. You know, he is popular. He's the lead singer and songwriter for the Tubes. Nowadays, he spends most of his time being a producer for mostly pop artists. But the song I'm going to share with you is one of the few songs that are written by the both of them. So here is Jan, Janet, Cher, and Roxy from Vixen with Richard Marks on keyboards, Edge of a Broken Heart.
So let's talk about that Vixen tune first. That was their first single, if I recall correctly, right? That was the introduction to the world of Vixen. For the longest time, I thought that this tune was written by John and Richie, that it was an old Bon Jovi song. I don't know why I thought that, and maybe I was just confusing it, but I will say this. Richard Marks is a guilty pleasure of mine. I've seen that dude probably three, four times in concert, always puts on a great show, always has a killer band behind him, and I like his heavier stuff. And he does have a heavier side. He has some really rock and roll stuff. You know, I know he's famous for some of the ballads and stuff that he's written. And I just go to the bathroom at that point in time, whatever. But his rock and roll stuff is really good rock and roll stuff. Moving on to the Mr. Big song. It's a great song. Jeff Paris is somebody that I just... Uh, recently got familiar with probably in the last couple of years. I started seeing his name pop up a little bit. This is a great song off that Lean Into It record. Not much else I can say about that stuff. What, what would you say you do here? So moving on to a couple more for me. So I talked about Jack Blades a little bit earlier being part of the Revolution Saints. Jack Blades, obviously, longtime original guy in Night Ranger. Jack is just a great songwriter. And when Jack joined forces with Tommy Shaw and Ted Nugent and they did the damn Yankees thing, at some point in time, Jack and Tommy forged this pretty good friendship. And they started doing a lot of writing together. I think they even put out an album, but they've written a lot of material. And at some point towards the latter part of Aerosmith's career, Aerosmith bought in Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades to contribute to some of the writing for their greatest hits record. I think they had a new song on it called um, Walk on Water or, or Fire Water or something water. I don't remember the name. I'm sure the computer will tell us. It wasn't the greatest hits album. It was an album called Big Ones, released in November 1994. The song was called Walk on Water written by Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Jack Blades and Tommy Shaw. I wouldn't have to keep correcting you if you would just do your assigned research. Back to our show. But they also did this tune, which I think is on Get a Grip, called Shut Up and Dance. Check this out.
So my number two song is the first single that I recall from the band Hurricane. Hurricane had Carlos Cavazo's brother in it, Rudy Sarzo's brother in it, and Kelly Hansen, who has been singing for Foreigner now for the last 15, 20 years. Kelly Hansen's an awesome singer. But this is the song I'm On To You, and it's written by a songwriter named Jeff Jones. And I don't know a whole lot about this dude, but check this out because he's the only one that wrote this tune.
Hurricane in general is a hidden gem. That's the first song I remember hearing. And I remember going, who in the hell is that singer? Because just of the sheer power. And Kelly still got it and still Mm -hmm. brings it. Yep. That Aerosmith song, the lyrics are awesome. The song is absolutely brutal. Brutal. That song is bad. That's a fun song. Oh, my God. It's definitely a fun song, and it's, you know, the whole horns and stuff. I mean, come on. It's a fun song. It's not taken too seriously. It's definitely latter Aerosmith and not typical Aerosmith. I prefer the more rocking stuff. Shut Up and Dance is just kind of a fun song. (laughs) We're never going to have Steven Tyler or Perry on this podcast anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, hell, when I do Aerosmith episodes, I invite other people to come on and do them anyway, which it's almost time to do the latter part of the Aerosmith eras with Phil Schaus and Brian Davis, because we did the first part of Aerosmith, which I think was from their first album all the way through Night in the Ruts, if I recall correctly, through 79. And so it's about time that we do part two and we do the latter part of Aerosmith's career, because there's some good stuff in both eras of Aerosmith, for sure. But Sonny doesn't like any of it. So don't listen to Sonny, Steve Tyler and uh, Joe Perry. You can still come on the show and I'll just be here by myself i wouldn't say any of it just not much that's just a shame so my next song also involves a duo simon climey is a english songwriter producer former lead singer of a duo called climey fisher had a short career uh, writing songs for george michael Rita franklin pat benatar Smokey robinson who writes songs for Smokey robinson i thought he was doing writing whatever uh jeff beck bb king eric clapton he co-wrote one of my absolute favorite rod stewart songs called my heart can't tell you no oh my god i love that song so much the second part of the duo on this song is holly knight and she had a short stint in a band called spider with Anton Fig, and then pretty much just took on a job being a songwriter and is involved in a ton of stuff. Maybe we do a future Holly Knight episode, too, uh, because she's got a lot of stuff to go through. She's written songs that you might remember, Better Be Good to Me by Tina Turner, The Warrior by Scandal, Never by Heart. She wrote Love Touch by Rod Stewart. The song I'm going to go with is a Climby Knight collaboration for Pat Benatar lead single from her sixth studio album, Seven the Hard Way. It's also used in the film Legend of Billie Jean. The song was a huge hit, got to number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it's one of my favorite Pat Benatar songs. Here's Invincible.
The next song, you might have heard of a guy named Squiggy, but you sure you've ever heard of a guy named Twiggy? Born Giordi Osborne White, a.k.a. Twiggy Ramirez, former bassist and guitarist for Marilyn Manson. He was also the bassist in A Perfect Circle. He toured with Nine Inch Nails and is currently is the vocalist of a band called Goon Moon. So you can imagine it's pretty much all alternative type stuff. Twiggy also auditioned to be the bass player for Metallica when Newstead left. Obviously, he didn't get that job. I'm not exactly sure how he connected to Marky Mark, but he ended up in the movie Rockstar and wrote one of my favorite tracks by the fictional band Steel Dragon. I'm not sure who all the players are on this track. It's hard to figure out who that is, but I'm 100% sure that Miljenko Matijevic from Steelheart is singing, and it absolutely has to be Zach Wilde on guitar. Here is Blood Pollution.
So let's start with Steel Dragon. I love that movie Rockstar. I don't have an issue with it. I enjoy it for what it is, which is just fun. And part of what makes that movie fun for me is the soundtrack. Steel Dragon has some awesome tunes. Blood Pollution's one of them, and Living the Life is another one, and Stand Up is another one. There's some great songs on here. Written by some great artists. Twiggy is just one of those people. I don't think I knew Twiggy wrote this tune. I know Sammy Hagar wrote one on there as well. Yeah, Twiggy's an interesting individual. The Invincible record. Love Pat Benatar. I can't really say anything about Pat Benatar. I've talked about it often. She was one of my gateway drugs into hard rock and metal, for sure. Invincible's a great tune. It's not one that I loved when I was growing up, but it's one that I eventually fell in love with as I got older. So I got a little trivia before we get to the historic moment. You ready? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I'll do well on it. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> you ever watch The Simpsons? Of course. There's a song on there called Do the Bartman. Mm -hmm. Who wrote that song? Uh, no clue. Uh, take a wild guess. Gerald McManon. No, that's not true. Twiggy Ramirez. <laughs> no. Michael Jackson wrote that song. I was surprised. Do you remember the band UB40? Yes. Red Red Wine? Yes. Who wrote that song? No clue. Neil Diamond. Whoa, really? Yeah. He's written a lot of big hits for people. Oh, yeah. This was probably a hit when you were in high school. Do you remember Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers? Yes. Any idea who wrote that song? I used to, but I can't remember. The Bee Gees. Yes. The Bee Gees wrote this one, and it was meant for Marvin Gaye. Have you had a chance to watch that Bee Gees documentary on HBO? I haven't yet. I have it queued up. It's really good. Uh, it goes through their entire career, and they were pretty prolific songwriters at one point in time for other artists. And uh, yeah, it's just a good documentary. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. Okay, so for the historic moment, Kiss has used plenty of co-writers, but there aren't very many songs sang by either Paul or Gene that don't involve a writing credit for them. Like Gene was absolutely, if you're going to help me with my song, I get part of the writing credit. Paul actually did one that wasn't that way. It's written by a guy named Gerard McMahon. He's also known as G. Tom Mack, who is an English songwriter and a producer who specializes in like making music for film and TV, etc. Now, McMahon has written a bunch of stuff. You might know some of it. He wrote stuff for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There was a song called The Look in Your Eyes. He wrote a song for All the Right Moves. He wrote a song for Chasing Amy, Witchblade, Charmed, Baywatch, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of his probably most popular songs is a song called Cry Little Sister from the movie called The Lost Boys. So I'm not exactly sure how he runs into Paul Stanley or Vinnie Poncia, but there was a demo floating around and somehow a meeting resulted and it spawned the opening track for 1980s Unmasked. Here is Is That You? <laughs>
I saw Vinny Pontia's name pop up on somebody else's record as well as a co-write. Yeah, I like that tune. Typically, when there's two or three people writing on a song and then the artist's name is thrown on at the end, they just uh, refuse to give it away without having some sort of thing. I think that's kind of the case with that Notorious song. I guarantee you Dean and Reno didn't write any of that song, but they wanted their names in there. Yeah, I think part of it's pride. Part of it might be publishing. But even Gina said, I've got some songs with my name on it that I don't split the publishing like three ways. I'll give them most of the publishing, but I want my name on the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some stuff on Creatures of the Night like that, right? Yeah! Well, nice little episode. I mean, there's, like I said, there's a bunch of songwriters out there that probably don't get their just due. You know, maybe we have a songwriter as a guest one day. Who knows? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, listen, these are the artists that are writing the tunes that we love, even if somebody else is performing them. And a lot of artists started out as songwriters before they became the artists that you know today. Hell, we know Prince has written a shitload of songs for other people. If we go back, we're going to find that Prince had not only a hit on the Billboard 100 himself, and there was probably times where he had two hits on the Billboard 100 at the same time, but then the Bengals also had the hit he wrote. And Shaka Khan also had the hit he wrote. Mm-hmm. So it is possible he had five or six songs written by him on the Billboard 100 at the same time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we could definitely do a songwriters episode and feature some of the more popular ones. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, the Holly Knights and Diane Warrens and Desmond Childs and folks like that. I mean, there's just a bevy of songwriters that took a hand in writing some great stuff from the 80s uh, and some great hard rock as well. Yeah, nice little episode. Want to tell all the listeners, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your feedback. And just thanks for joining the Facebook group and interacting with us. Yeah, we appreciate you putting up with my uh, non-preparation and uh, my train wreck of an idea. I'm sure that in the end, it'll come out fantastic and entertain everybody. So thanks again for listening. Thanks again for showing up on the Loud Minority Facebook group. And thanks for just loving rock and roll music. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. People talking And they're saying that you're leaving So unhappy With the way that you've been living Oh, we always wish for money We always wish for
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.